Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Philippians is going to be fun. It's an awesome book. It's a helpful book. I believe it's going to help your every single day life. Philippians chapter 1, are you there? Beginning in verse 1, it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all of God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with, come on, joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Verse 9, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We're going to go through these 11 verses, and I want to talk about these first 11 verses today. Uh, if you're writing notes, you can write this down. Today, I want to talk to you out of the subject, the best life. Somebody say the best life. The best life. And if you're here for the first or second time, uh, we're just glad that you're here. Maybe last week was your first week here. You're like, let me check it out one more time. I'm glad that you came back. And I pray you see, you realize we're just a family. And I said this last week, and I really believe this. Um, We're not perfect, but we follow the perfect one. Nobody in here has life under control, uh, but we know the God who holds life together. Amen? So I'm glad that you're on the journey with us and that you've joined us. This is a family. Feel free to feel comfortable here. And I believe the next seven weeks are going to help us out so much. In Jesus' name. Let's pray, all right? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for, God, just everything that you did across the life of our church last weekend. God, we thank you for all these lives that made a decision to follow you. Brand new lives, God. And today... We're going to see so many of them uh, go into the waters, and uh, God, they're going to show the world they are a new creation. Thank you for the 12 already at 9 a.m. that made a decision to get baptized, and for the ones at 11, at 1, and at 7 in our city campus. God, thank you for what you're doing across the life of this church. Help us to never take it lightly, God, that what you're doing here is revival, God. Help us to never take it lightly that your spirit is alive, and you want to do so much in our lives. We thank you, God. We pray that you may have your way in this place this morning at 11 a.m. God, we pray that you may help Barcelona beat Real Madrid today in the afternoon. Uh, we thank you that Barcelona is God's team. In Jesus' name, all God's people say. Amen. Come on, 11 a.m., all God's people say. Amen. Can you give God a big shout of praise? Come on. Anybody here enjoy good weather? Anybody enjoy good weather? Does anybody like the weather in Miami? Some yes, some no. I think sometimes it's enjoyable. Sometimes it looks like it's a good day, and as soon as you step outside, how many know you start sweating automatically? It's just that humid. It is hot. Yeah, the funny thing about Miami, I think, is that the weather can change at any moment, right? At any moment. For example, we've been planning uh, Baptism Sunday today, and we said it's going to be a beautiful day in April right after Easter. How many know it's supposed to rain all day today? 
the devil is a liar. And, uh, and we're just like, well, you know what? It is what it is. We're baptized in the rain in Jesus' name. But uh, the weather can change. Have you ever been going down the street? And uh, it is complete sunshine. It is beautiful. And as soon as you cross the light, it is pouring on the other side. And it looks like a hurricane on the other side of the light. I mean, it's just Miami weather. It changes automatically. People come here on vacation and they tell me, hey, this is weird. One, one, one minute it's raining. The next minute it's sunshine. I just think that's the way that uh, Miami weather is. You never know. You got to take your whole closet in the car because you don't know what you're going to wear. A jacket, an umbrella. And, uh, you know, the weather can go up and down. The weather can change. How many know that life is the same? How many know that life can go up and down at any moment? Life has a way of throwing surprises at you. You may think, wake up one morning, you may say, man, this is going to be a, an amazing day. I think today is going to go awesome. I'm excited about today. You wake up and the weather looks incredible and the birds are chirping outside of your window. And How many know the next day you can wake up and you want to choke the birds out your window and... <laughs> You, you just, I mean, it's just a bad day. You got some bad news, and, and all of a sudden, you're just like, man, one minute, life can change for all of us. Life has a lot of ups and downs, right? I mean, one day, you're just up. It's awesome. You got a promotion at work. Everything's going great. The next day, it's like, man, uh, why are we even talking about divorce at home, and I may lose my job. Life has a way of going up and down. How do you stay joyful in the midst of up and downs? I wonder how we can stay happy in the midst of this, because happiness, a lot of people attach themselves happiness to their circumstances. And if you attach happiness to your circumstances, then you're not going to be happy all the time. In fact, probably most of the time, you're going to be unhappy, because how many know life can throw a lot of storms your way? How do you stay happy? How can I stay happy in a world that's gone mad? How can I stay happy? People want happiness. I believe all of us in here, we want to be happy. We want to be joyful. I, I, think, I think nobody wakes up and says, I just want to be mad all day. Can I be mad all day? Like, I just want to be mad all year long. 2017 is going to be the year I'm mad. Like, nobody wakes up like that. It's like, man, I, I want to be satisfied. I want to be happy in life. The pursuit of happiness is such a big thing. Everybody wants to be happy. How can we stay happy? How many know that joy leaks in our life? Happiness can, be, can, can leak. Happiness can come and go, especially if we attach it to circumstances. Paul, Paul, he had an idea of how to stay joyful in the midst of circumstances. And this is what the book of Philippians is all about. He started writing this book so that we would know how we can have joy in the middle of bad circumstances. This is a book of joy. It's actually a book of love as well. He loves these people that he's writing to. And so that we can understand the series and where we're going to, I want to give you a little bit of context of the book and help you understand over the next seven weeks where this book even comes from, why he wrote this book. How many know that Paul, Paul was a passionate man? Paul was completely passionate. I mean, he would preach the gospel anywhere to anyone. Some of us, we have a hard time preaching the gospel to the barista at Starbucks. He would jump in the kitchen, go behind the scenes. He would preach to anybody about Jesus. Paul was just a passionate man about the gospel. And because he was so passionate, he would travel anywhere to tell people about Jesus. And if we go back to the book of Acts chapter 16, we see that Paul could never stay in one place. He wanted to travel to preach the gospel. His one goal was to get to Rome one day and preach to Caesar. But here he, he wants to go to what was called Asia at the time. 
Now, Asia is what we call modern-day Turkey. He wanted to go to Asia, and he wanted to preach in Asia. And he attempted, and he tried, and he tried multiple times to go to Asia to preach the gospel, but multiple times that door was closed, and he was not able to go to Asia. And every time he attempted, he said, I want to go to Asia. I don't know. He had a thing for Asians. I want to go preach in Asia. I want to go. I want to go. The door kept closing, and one night he's asleep, and all of a sudden he sees a vision. He sees a vision. Look what Acts chapter 16 says. Acts chapter 16, verse 9, it says, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Wow, that's crazy, crazy vision. So after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. He goes to sleep. He sees a vision. And he sees that all of a sudden a man is saying, come to Macedonia and help us over here. I love that following verse because immediately God listened to the voice of God. I wonder how many times we listen to the voice of God just like Paul listened to the voice of God. What I love about this is that he didn't complain about a closed door. He just obeyed God with an open door. How many times in our life do we stop and complain about a closed door in our life? I mean, how many, how many of us, we want something in our, come on, it's happened to all of us. We want something in our life. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a business. Maybe it's something that we wanted, a promotion at a certain job. And when we see that it does not happen, there is no joy in our life because we're complaining about a closed door. God, I can't believe that this happened. God, I can't believe that you closed the door on my life in this. How about instead of complaining about a closed door, we start thanking God for a new door he's going to open. Come on, is anybody believing that God's going to open up a new door in 2017 for your life? I can't believe that person cheated on me. I can't believe that person did this to me. I can't believe that business didn't happen. Thank God that that didn't happen because he's probably about to open a greater door in your life. You want to be full of joy? Don't complain about a closed door. Thank God for the door he's about to open. And here we see that he opens a door in Macedonia. Macedonia is basically modern-day Greece. Anybody want to go to Greece? Not on vacation to preach the gospel. <laughs> so he starts going toward Greece. And one of the first cities that he goes to in Greece is Philippi. Philippi is it's a, it's a growing city. It's an important city. He lands in Philippi and automatically he's looking for somewhere to preach. Like he was a preaching machine. Come on. We need some people like that in Miami. Come on. Every corner. I'm just going to preach the gospel. And all of a sudden they get, he's looking for a synagogue, but he finds out that there's some people down by a river and they are praying. So they go down to the river to pray and to preach. I mean, this is awesome. Let's just all go by a river. You know, revival's happening when you're by a river preaching. And uh, they set up a tent like we did at Easter. And there Paul begins to preach by the river. Now there's a lady there in that group named Lydia. Lydia. The Bible says that Lydia was a dealer of purple cloth. In other words, purple was, was an interesting dye. It was an interesting thing because that meant royalty, and that meant she had a lot of money. It was a hard, you got to be careful, Mammy, a dealer of purple what? I mean, it's just a dealer of purple cloth. You know what I'm talking about? Purple cloth. <laughs> Some of you are like, wait, the Bible talks about that? <laughs> a dealer of purple cloth. It, it was a luxury to have something purple in your life. So in other words, Lydia had money. In other words, Lydia was bawling. Amen. Lydia, hashtag blessed. She had the Louis Vuitton high heels. She was blessed. And the Bible says that when Paul begins to preach, God opened the heart to Paul's message. And automatically that day, right by the river, she gets saved and baptized at the same time. I think that's going to happen here this afternoon. Somebody's going to get saved and baptized immediately. That's the way it works. That's the way God works. God doesn't want to waste no time. You got saved and you're jumping in the pool today. You don't even know how. I'm just jumping in there. My jeans, my short, dress shoes, socks, I mean, whatever. In my church clothes, I'm jumping in the pool. It's just the way God works. Lydia gets saved 
and baptized. Now, because Lydia was, was blessed, um, she said, hey, hey, I don't want you guys to spend no money on a hotel. Don't go, you know, don't, don't go to La Quinta. Don't go to Holiday. Why don't you come to my house? Maybe she had a big house. The whole entire group goes to her house. Stay with me and my family. And automatically they start having church in Lydia's house. The church begins in Philippi. Beautiful. Church begins in Philippi. Every day they go out preaching. One day Paul's going out. And all of a sudden for the last couple of days, there's this little demon-possessed girl that's following him around everywhere. And she was demon-possessed. And she followed him everywhere. She was, I mean, the Bible says that Paul grew greatly annoyed at her. Have you ever been annoyed? Some of you are annoyed right now, but somebody's sitting next to you or Sunday back. I mean, you're just annoyed. The devil showed up in the middle of Philippi. How many know whenever God begins something, Satan's always going to oppose it? Okay, I don't think you heard me. Some of you, you made a decision to follow Jesus this year. Some of you made a decision to serve God this year. And automatically you got some opposition. Automatically things aren't going your way. I'm going to tell you, the devil's not going to be happy that you want to serve God. The devil is not glad. He's not throwing a party in hell saying, hey, they got saved that Easter. Amazing. Praise God. No, he is upset. He's going to throw everything. Some of you got saved and you want to come to church today and you came to church and you say, I may even get baptized. Automatically, people next to you are like, are you crazy? You're a fanatic. I'm not saying that your family is the devil. What I'm saying is Satan will oppose. <laughs> Satan will oppose whatever God begins. You make a decision, I'm going to join Dream Team today. As soon as you go out, you meet a greeter, you're like, I'll forget Dream Team. He's going to oppose everything that God wants to do. Don't think that because God is doing something special in our church, we don't have no opposition. In fact, if you don't have no opposition, it's probably because we're not doing anything. The moment we decide to do something and go forward with the kingdom of God, Satan's always going to show up. Paul turns around and goes, you little annoying girl, in Jesus' name be free. And uh, the demon, <laughs> that woke some people up. The, the demon... The demon leaves the girl, and she is freed. She had some handlers that were making money off of her because she could tell people's future. She was a fortune teller. As soon as they see they can no longer control her, and she's no longer diva-possessed, they go and they tell on Paul and Silas and the team, and automatically they arrest Paul and Silas, and they throw them in jail. Welcome to Philippi. <laughs> automatically, welcome to Philippi. He's in jail. The Bible says that in the middle of the night, they're there in jail, and instead of complaining, they begin to worship. I want to tell you, worship is a weapon for your life. You want to know how you can have joy in your life? Get some more worship in your life. Have you ever been through a tough time and you don't even know how you're going to get through it, but all of a sudden you put some worship on? Oh, my God, it does something to your soul. It does something on the inside. I just got to worship, my God. They began to worship God here in this prison to the point where now God caused an earthquake to happen in the prison. That's some serious singing. I mean, some of you are, yeah, some of you are like, yeah, my neighbor calls an earthquake now during worship. I know. But, but this is like some serious shaking. And all of a sudden it says all the prisoners were free and the doors were open. All of a sudden they were all free. The jailer comes, runs in. He thinks he's going to be in trouble because all the prisoners are going to go away free. He's like, my God, they're going to kill me. Before they kill me, I'm going to kill myself. And there he's preparing to kill himself in Philippi in this prison. And automatically Paul says, hey, hey, don't, don't kill yourself. We're all here. Nobody's going nowhere. We're all here. The jailer can't believe it. The prisoners are free, but they're staying in place. Paul preaches the gospel, preach machine, preaches the gospel one more time. The jailer gets saved in prison right away. This is what's happening in Philippi. It's special. The Bible says that the, that the jailer takes Paul to his house, and now the jailer's family all get saved, and they all get baptized immediately too. There's a whole lot of saving and baptizing going on today in the story and in church. Can I get an amen? <laughs> 
Philippi, automatically in just a couple days, there is a rich woman that gets saved. There is a slave girl that gets saved. And now there's a jailer that gets saved. The gospel is for everybody. Love the book of Philippians. Just a story on it. Paul can't stay in one place. He continues to preach. A couple years later, this is 11 years later. In the year about 62 AD, he is now sitting in a prison. Most believe it is in Rome. He is in prison for preaching the gospel. And there a lot of people believe prisoners didn't even have money to buy food, so people had to send them food. And here comes a man called Epaphroditus. If you're pregnant, that's a good name for your child, Epaphroditus. (laughs) He is from Philippi, and he comes with a gift. He comes with an offering for Paul because the church in Philippi remembered the man who started the church, and they want to honor his life, and they want to thank his life, and they want to let him know we're with you in this fight. We're with you together. Whatever way we can bless you. And they send them an offering. And Paul, he can't believe it. He is so thankful. He is so overwhelmed. He said, Aphrodite, stay with me a little bit. I'm going to write this letter, this thank you note. Back in the day, they didn't have email. They didn't have text. So he said, I'm going to write this letter, and I want you to set, go back and give it to the people in Philippi. And this is where he begins his letter. Against this letter, he loves these people, and he can't believe that they, they love him back and everything that they're doing for him. And he begins his letter, Philippians, watch this, Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. If we could put it up, this is where it begins. Philippians, there you go. <laughs> Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ says, verse 3, I thank my God every time that I remember. He begins this letter. He says, hey, it's Paul and Timothy. A lot of people believe that Paul was chained to a guard, so he couldn't write, so Timothy would write for him. It was his, his student. It was a guy who was next to him, who stood with him every step of the way. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Paul had a secret about joy. Here he is in prison. The letter we're going to read over the next seven weeks, the author was in prison. Some of us, we can't even write an email from a couch. Here he is in prison writing a letter about joy. I don't know about you, but if I was in prison, the last letter I would write would be about joy. I'll say, get me out. Call the bail man. Do whatever you got to do. Get me out of here. I'm not praying for y'all. Pray for me. Get me out of here. (laughs) Paul had something special on the inside. Number one. Your attitude will determine your altitude. Your attitude will determine your altitude. How do you stay joyful? How how did Paul have joy in his life? It's because he had an attitude of gratitude. He had an attitude of gratitude. He was so thankful for what he had. He could have been in prison, but he understood that these people loved him and they just sent them an offering. He was grateful. I think a lot of us will have a lot more joy in our life if we were grateful. Oh, come on, come on, come on. I I know we hear this all the time, but we need to count our blessings. I I learned the lesson this morning. I woke up and I said, I can't believe there's 80% of precipitation. It's going to rain all day. I'm upset. Instead of thanking God that we got three pools and a bunch of people are going to get upset, baptized in the middle of bad weather. I got to be great. Come on, we got to count our blessings. Instead of waking up, I can't believe I got the worst boss in the world going to this job again. I can't stand this job. I can't stand my wife. I can't stand my kids. I can't stand these things. I can't stand this thing. I mean, you can't stand. Sit down. You can't stand anything. <laughs> How about we start counting our blessings? Say, wait a minute, wait a minute. At least I woke up this morning. Wait a minute, wait. I got oxygen in my lungs. I'm alive. Oh, my God, my God, he woke me up this morning. A lot of people didn't wake up this Sunday. You woke up. Come on. If there's oxygen in your lungs, there's purpose in your life. Come on, let's start counting our blessings. 
Let's start counting our blessings. Some of us, we need to stop looking at the negative and start looking at all the things that God has given us. I may not have everything I want, but my God, I have everything I need. My God, I thank you that at least I got a job. I thank you that at least I got a pillow. I thank you that at least I got one pair of shoes. I thank you that I'm alive this morning. I thank you for my wife. Start blessing your wife. I got the best wife on the planet. My God, she's fine. Miss Universe in my house. Oh, my God. She gets on my nerves, but she's amazing. Come on. Start counting your blessings. Have an attitude of gratitude. It will change your attitude. All of a sudden, you wake up one morning and you say, wait a minute, I'm going to count my blessings. I may be in a prison situation, but it's not going to confine me. It's not going to hold me down. I'm going to have joy regardless of what I'm facing. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The book of Habakkuk chapter 3 says, even though there is no figs in the tree, even though there is no fruits in the barn, oh, I will still praise the Lord. I think some of us, we need to have an even though I will. Somebody say even though. Say I will. Even though I don't got a job, I will praise the Lord. Even though I got all these bills, I will praise the Lord. Even though my boss gets on my nerves, I will praise the Lord. Even though it seems like the world is against me, I will praise the Lord. Paul says, even though I'm in prison, I will praise my God. I will be thankful for what I have. And he begins the letter by saying, I'm a servant of Jesus. Paul, Timothy, servants of Jesus. You know, another word that he uses there, another translation, the Greek translation, is actually slave. It comes from the Greek word doulos. It means giving up your will to serve somebody else's will. Well, he usually begins his letter by saying, I'm an apostle, I'm this and that, and he usually puts his credentials at the beginning so the church could know, oh, wait, this is Paul speaking. Here, he says, I'm just so thankful. I'm thankful I even get to serve Jesus. I'm just a slave to him. Well, some of us, we need to change our outlook on things. I'm just thankful that God would even consider me to serve him. Say, oh my God, I used to be against Jesus. I was killing Christians. I was pulling Christians out their homes and I was persecuting Christians. And now my God, he came and he picked my life and he turned it around. And now I'm serving. I'm thankful that, I'm, that I get to serve him. I'm thankful that, oh my God, I'm a slave for Jesus Christ. I'm in prison, but these chains can't hold the gospel that I'm preaching. Said, ah, I'm thankful. Some of us this morning, we need to be thankful that at least we get to be on a team and serve God. Come on, some of us were lost and gone. We shouldn't even be here. We should have been six feet under or in a jail. But by the grace of God, we are here this morning. Come on, is anybody thankful for his grace? Says, I'm, I'm a slave. Paul and Timothy, we're just slaves of Jesus. It's an attitude of gratitude. You know, one of the biggest thieves of joy is circumstances. And what you need to do is that you need to change your outlook so you can have a better outcome. Your outlook will determine your outcome. How do you view the situations that happen to you? How do you view the circumstances? You got to understand that your circumstances, they do not happen to you. They happen for you. Instead of complaining about what happened, let's thank God for what happened. Say somehow, some way, I know that all things work out together for the good of those who love him. He's thankful. He's remembering, my God, remember when I wanted to go to Asia? I loved Asian people. I wanted to go over there. And all of a sudden, God changed my plans, and I went to Philippi. Remember Lydia got saved? My God, she was balling, and she let us stay at her house. Remember that slave girl that got freed? That was amazing. Remember the jailer was going to kill himself? My God, all because God had better plans than I did. And I could have easily sat down and complained, but I'm going to change my outlook. 
Some of us are saying, God, how come you didn't let this relationship happen? God, come, how come you didn't let that business happen? God, how come they laid me off? How come I didn't get that promotion? How come I didn't go that? Thank God. You know what, God? You probably saved me from an accident that night I didn't go out. You probably saved me from that, that business thing that was not going to work out for my good. I'm going to thank you not only for the open doors. I'm going to thank you for the closed doors. He's so thankful. He has an attitude of gratitude. It's just grace and peace. Grace and peace. Grace and peace are necessary in our lives. A lot of you are like, I mean, I want grace and peace. You can't get the peace you want until you understand the grace you need. Grace comes first. God, I understand I need grace. And now when I receive this grace, I have the peace of God. He had joy. And all of a sudden he starts talking about his relationships. He said, wait a minute. He had us. You know why he was so joyful? Because he had a good source of joy. We got to be careful what's our source of joy. Is it a job? Is it a car? Is it money? What's our source? His source was in his relationship with God. Number two, your relationships will build your resolution. What are your he, he was so thankful to his God and to his partners in ministry. He had this gratitude about the relationships that he was in. First, the relationship with his God. He loved God. Every single time he begins to write, he says, in Christ Jesus. To the saints in Philippi, in Christ Jesus. Everywhere he goes, he remembers in Christ Jesus because he understands that his physical home does not compare to his eternal home. And that regardless of his position, it will not change his perspective. He says, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I may be in this temporary circumstance, but it does not change where eternally I am in Christ. I, I may be out of work. I, I may be out of money. I may be in debt. I may be sick, but in Jesus, I'm always blessed. In Jesus, I always have grace. In Jesus, he's always for me, not against me. In Jesus, I'm surrounded. Come on, he will provide for all of my needs according to the riches in glory. I'm in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. I want to read this really quick. 4 through 9. It says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Verse 5. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. His relationship with God, it is so awesome. It is, he's, he's doing amazing, his relationship with God. He talks to God every day that he knows that the God who started a work in him would not leave him hanging in a prison. He's saying, I know this, God got me. And if God's got me, God's got you. He said, I'm confident. He was confident because your relationship with God will either build confidence or it will bring insecurity. If you haven't talked to God in a while, you're like, man, I've had no relationship with God. I don't even know God wants anything to do with me. I haven't talked to God in a long time. When things begin to happen to you, you're going to start to question God's love for you. God, but God, why did you allow this to happen? God, why, why did I go through this sickness? God, why did I go through this job loss? God, God why did I go through this divorce? I mean, I, you start to question but if you have an amazing relationship with God and every day you're in his word, every day you're praying, every day you're worshiping, when things begin to happen, you say, God, I don't know what you're doing here, but you're setting me up for a miracle. I thank you, God. I'm confident that the work that you started in me or you're going to be faithful to complete it. You're not a God that leaves things halfway. Humans, we leave things halfway. All right. Anybody love Netflix here? A lot of people, hey, you should watch all these shows on Netflix. I'm like, I try, but I start one show and I, I don't watch the rest. I can't. I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm not, I can't sit there and watch an entire 25 seasons and 100 shows per season. I'm, I can't do that. So I can't even remember how many shows I started and never finished. Humans, we're great starters but bad finishers. 
Some of us right now, in our homes, we got unfinished products all over our garage. There's some wives right now that are elbowing their husbands. They're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I love about God? He's a great starter, but a better finisher. Some of us have no idea how God's going to get us out of some mess. Some of us have no idea what God's going to do in our life. I'm here to tell you this morning that the God who started a work in you, believe me, he is at work. He hasn't forgotten about you. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to leave you in the garage of life. He's working on you. He's going to complete it. He's going to perfect it. He's going to perfect your faith. He's going to make you that man and woman of God. Is there anybody thankful that God, he's a good finisher? Come on. Paul says... Paul says, I'm in prison, but I'm confident that the God that started a good work in me, he's going to finish it. Oh, I know you're in Philippi, and I know there's some, we're going to see over the next few weeks, there's actually some situations going on in Philippi, and there's some situations going on in church. How many of you know no church is the perfect church? Amen? That was a soft amen, but somebody, amen, I can't stand that greeter I met at the door. There's some situations going on, and he says, in spite of that, I'm confident that. Remember that work that started 11 years ago when I was there? There was revival happening at the river in jail with that slave. Oh, that same God that started that, he's going to be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't abandoned you. He's at work in you. And then he begins to pray. Verses 9 through 11 is a prayer. Begins the letter with a prayer. Isn't it awesome? Paul is just a man of prayer. You want joy in your life? Get some prayer in your life. I communicate with God. God don't want to talk to me. Yeah, he does. God wants to talk to you. Verses 9 through 11, we can put them up. It says, and this, this is my prayer, that your, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise God. Start saying, you know what I want you to do? I love you guys. I just thank you so much for your partnership. I thank you for sharing with me. He says, I want you to make better choices. Number three, because your choices will shape your character. You want joy in your life? Let's make better choices. He was thankful for them for the choices they had already made. I mean, they had made a choice to, to partner with him in ministry. Every single time he talks about sharing in the faith with them, the word he actually uses there is the word that we get for fellowship. It is the Greek word koinonia. Now, koinonia, we probably have heard about it and we've used it before. Hey, join a connect group for some koinonia, for some fellowship, for some sharing together. But the word koinonia is a lot stronger than that. It actually means we're in this thing together. In other words, we're not just spectators, we're participators. You want joy in your life? Don't just be a spectator. Be a participator in what God's doing. Join the dream team. Some of you, I mentioned dream team and it's like, oh, here you go. I'm dreaming. There's something powerful where we're in this thing together. That when you're down, somebody can come and say, you know what, I'll fill up your fridge. I got you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to pick you up. We're in this thing together. Paul was in prison, but they had not forgotten about him. They had made a choice to love and to help him out. And he said, you know what I want you to do? I want you to choose to love more. Love more. He goes, you've been great at loving. You've loved. Thank you for this gift. But you know what? I'm going to pray that you love even more. Because joy comes when you love better. Well, what do you mean? Well, how about if we stop complaining about our spouses and we start loving our spouses a little bit more? Well, all of a sudden, there's a little bit more joy in the house. I'm not going to nitpick at every single thing. I'm actually going to love more. You know what's another thief of joy? 
unforgiveness. Oh, some of us, we have no joy in our life because we're holding on to unforgiveness. Oh, I know that God wants to give me joy, but I can't forgive what this person did to me. You should have seen how they treated me. You should have seen how they parked my car for Easter. I'm not coming to this church anymore. I can't stand. We got some unforgiveness in all. I can't, for, I can't forgive that person that cheated and lied to me. I, I'm, I'm holding on to unforgiveness. And Paul says, I want you to love more. I know you've loved, but he goes, I want you to love more and more. Fall more in love with God and fall more in love with the people next to you. It will change your life. He says, I pray that you would love more. I pray that you would have insight. He goes, I pray that you would have discernment is what he's praying for. So you would know what to do in your life. A lot of us, we want joy, but we don't know what to do in our life. So we're choosing the wrong things. Sometimes it's not even the wrong things. He's saying, I want you to know what is the most excellent thing. In other words, there's a difference between good and best. Because I just don't want you to do the good. I want you to do the best thing. Let's not waste time on the good. Let's, wait. Let's, let's, let's invest all of our time in what's best. Maybe it's loving your neighbor a little bit more. Maybe it's serving your neighbor a little bit more. God, how can I do the best in my life so that I may be full of joy? Because that way you'll be blameless on the day of Jesus Christ. When you have joy, when you choose the best, my God, you will have a life that can't compare to what this world has to offer. In this world is choose money, choose cars, fight for your own joy in your own ways, put it in your own hands, and do whatever you can in this life to get more, as much as you can, get, get, get. Paul is saying, I want you to understand, it is more blessed to give than to receive. He goes, give, give, give. Love more, forgive more, increase in him, and give it all for the glory of God. It's not for our glory, it's for him. I'm in prison, but guess what? I'm living my life. I'm choosing the better thing. My character is going to be full of joy, and I'm going to make sure I serve Jesus with everything, and he will fill me with joy. Come on. It's the best life on the planet, a life full of joy, a life full of grace, a life full of love. It does not compare to what this world has to offer. Can I get an amen? Come on, can we give Jesus a big hand this morning? Why don't you stand up to your feet? I'm trying to end on time because we got baptisms. Anybody enjoy week one of Philippians? I got some, a little bit of homework for you to do. I want you to go home this week and reread some of those verses. And some of us do these things that are called soap. And uh, I don't mean sit with your Bible and grab a piece of soap. That's not what I'm talking about. Soap just stands for scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Go home. Maybe read one verse that we read on Sunday. Say, okay, I got the scripture. I'm going to observe it in context. What is Paul trying to say here? How can it apply to my life? And then pray about it. It'll do wonders for our life when we begin to contemplate the word of God. Come on, with every eye closed and every head bowed. All across this auditorium, there's people here that you just walked into this auditorium to this church today and you're saying I don't even know how I ended up here somebody invited me maybe it's your first time maybe it's your second time or maybe you've been coming for a while and you say Alex I don't have a relationship with this God I'm new here I've been coming for a while and I haven't lived my life in relationship with God I feel far from God I feel distant from God maybe you're sitting in here this this morning you're saying Alex there's been some things in my life that I'm not proud about and you're carrying guilt and shame can I tell you, you're in the right place at the right time. The Bible says that all of us, we are sinners. All of us. There's not one perfect person in this place. The Bible says that sin separates us from God. But God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to come die for you and for me. The Bible says that Jesus came down to earth and he grabbed all of my sin, your sin, all of our flaws, 
our guilt, our shame, the stuff that nobody knows about in our life, Jesus says, put that on me. I'm going to pay the price for you. The Bible says Jesus carried the sins of the world on his shoulders. He went up on a cross, and he died for our sins on that cross. That's what we talked about last weekend. They laid him down in a grave. And he was in a grave for three days, and just when the enemy thought it had won, Jesus says, no way, sin and death cannot defeat me. And he resurrected from the grave. Jesus, he's alive today. I want to tell you that maybe you've been searching, maybe you've been looking for something to satisfy your soul, for something to satisfy your life. Can I tell you, the only answer is Jesus. Jesus is the hope of humanity. He is the source of all happiness. He's the source of all joy. Whatever you may be going through in your life right now, can I tell you, it does not compare to a relationship with the God who created you. And while the whole church is praying, eyes closed, head bowed for privacy and concentration. I'm going to count to three in a moment. I believe some hands are going to go up all across this auditorium. People who are saying, I want a relationship with Jesus. I want forgiveness of my sins. He's offering forgiveness. He's offering you a brand new start, a brand new beginning. Today can be your brand new day at life. A relationship with the God who made you. I can't think of a better relationship than that. Right now, some of you are feeling God's call over your life. I'm just going to ask you when I count to three to raise your hand right where you're at. Raise it as high as you can. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to put a mic in your face. I'm just going to see you while every eye is closed. I'm going to see you, acknowledge you, and then you can put it right back down. If you could just hold it up for a few seconds. In Jesus' name. If you're in here, you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus. At the count of three, you raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can, as high as you can. Come on, lock that elbow as high as you can. You're saying today, amazing, amazing. God bless you. 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 I see you here to my right. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amazing. Amazing. Come on, church. Anybody else? You raise your hand wherever you're at. You're saying today, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. All these hands that went up, I'm going to say a simple prayer. All we're doing through this prayer is putting our faith and our trust in Jesus. The Bible says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. I'm going to say a simple prayer just to make this first one easy for you, but you can talk to God any place, anywhere. In fact, the whole family, we're going to say it together with you. And we're talking to God. I believe God is here in this moment. And maybe you didn't raise your hand. Your heart's racing. You're saying, I don't know if I should. God's calling you. Just say this prayer with me. And I believe that today you're going to start a relationship with the God who loves you. All of us together say, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Come on, from today on, I am saved. I am forgiven. I am healed. And I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel or visit us at calvaryconnect.com for more information. Till next time.